and our missionaries in Italy, the Flannerys, are in literally the zone, the Lombardy region of Italy, and they're in Milan, which has become the epicenter of this pandemic in Europe and in Italy itself. They have been confined to their apartment for a number of weeks now. That quarantine continues. But they shared with us this morning that the situation that they're facing has become even more dire and that the ability to access medical care uh, is really being pushed to the limits that they are not able, the hospitals there are so overstressed that they're not able to help anyone who walks in the door with any issue right now. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and pray for our missionaries, pray for Italy, and just pray for the situation that they face that is much more uh, difficult than what we're facing here in the United States right now. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to you right now in Jesus' name, we want to lift the flanneries to you. God, we want to ask that as they just continue this quarantine, Lord, with two preschoolers, that, Lord, you would bless them, give them creativity, and help them, Lord, during this time. God, we pray for the folks there in Milan. Uh, Lord, we met a number of those, particularly young people, college students, etc., when we were there back in October. God, somehow or another through this, we ask that the gospel of Jesus Christ might, Lord, rise up and minister to people. We saw so much spiritual deadness when we were there, Lord. And God, we ask that you would bring, Lord, literally a resurrection of, Lord, Christianity to that nation and to that area through what they're going through right now. That they would find, Lord, a hope that cannot be found in materialism in you, Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would bless the medical personnel in that part of the world that is so taxed right now. Strengthen them. Protect them physically. And bless them, <clears throat> Father, we ask. And <clears throat> we thank you for this, Jesus. And Lord, just carry them and help them through this time. Lord, may you bring glory to yourself somehow through this crisis, Jesus. And Lord, we pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit there, Lord, in that area. Lord, strengthen them. And God, we pray for healing. And Father, we pray, Lord, that you would push back, Father, this illness, not only there, but worldwide. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, as weird as it may sound, if there is any visible symbol of what we have been going through of late, it is this, a roll of toilet paper. In fact, last Sunday I joked that we were going to frisk people for toilet paper as they were leaving uh, the worship service to make sure nobody was trying to take toilet paper out of the building. Uh, and yesterday when I was in Walmart, I noticed there was not a roll of toilet paper to be had anywhere. It has become the most valuable commodity in our society. Who in the world would have thought a few weeks ago that toilet paper would be selling for like $500 uh, out on the, the Internet? And yet, in a sad sort of way, it speaks to where we're sort of in this panic uh, placing our trust. A roll of toilet paper is a crazy place uh, to be putting our values and our trust and trying to relieve our anxieties during a time. But sometimes that's what we as human beings do when we're going through a rough time. We pick some strange, weird places to put our trust that cannot really help us. Over the next three Sundays, I'm going to bring in a series of messages from the 27th Psalm. And the title of these message, messages is going to be simply this, Knowing God in an Unknown Time. Knowing God in an Unknown Time. Uh, 
we live in an unknown time. We have an unknown disease that has swept the world in a pandemic. It is scary. It creates a lot of fear in us. And we don't know from what ne- what's going to happen one day to the next. However, we serve the Lord God who is known, who is more known than the unknown that we are facing. And the Lord God, in the middle of this, we can get to know better. So we serve a knowing God in an unknown time. And as we travel and journey together through the 27th Psalm, what I want to challenge us to do, both during these times together on Sunday morning and then during the week as I encourage you to meditate on the 27th Psalm, is to come to know God in a deeper way. If there is an advantage to this time, it may very well be this, that we have more time on our hands right now to spend with the Lord, and to probe deeper as to who He is, and to know Him better. Now, the series is called Knowing God in an Unknown Time. The message today, the focus is the Lord is. Who is the Lord? How can we know Him better in this unknown time? So from Psalm 27, I want to share with you the first three verses, the 27th Psalm. The Lord is... My light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. Now, the 27th Psalm is a psalm of confidence. We believe David is the writer of this psalm. We are not 100% sure what the circumstances were when he wrote this psalm. Some scholars believe that it was the time when he was facing his son Absalom who was trying to kill him. Whatever was the case, it was a very difficult time in his life. But in the midst of what he was going through, in the unknown time that David was encountering, David says, the Lord is. And he identifies three specific ways that the Lord is prevalent and active in his life. Three ways that he is experiencing the presence and power of God in his life. And he says each time, the Lord is. Who is this Lord? The Lord is. The name for God that is used there, and you will notice in your Bibles that it's capital L-O-R-D. Every time you see that listed in the Old Testament, Genesis through Malachi, it is the name of God, the covenant name of God. We don't exactly know how it's translated. We think it was either Yahweh or Jehovah. But that name, that personal covenant name of God, carries multiple ideas with it. But in particular, it means the Lord is the self-existent one. In other words, God's existence, God's activity, is not dependent on anything else or anyone else. David is standing in the midst of an unknown time, and he is simply saying, 
you know, God is not limited by what I'm going through. God is not the prisoner of the circumstances that I may feel like I am the prisoner of right now. And in this unknown time that you and I face, God is not limited by a virus. God is not contained by a virus. God is not subject to a pandemic. God can work. God is at work. The Lord is, and He is as sure and powerful today as He has ever been. And our sense of powerlessness does not mean that He is less powerful. Rather, He is as powerful as He has ever been, and He is accomplishing His work and His will. The idea of that name is that He is also the Eternal One. In other words, He is the ground of reality. And that is so important for us to realize, because what is reality? So often our, perce- our perception of reality is not really reality. Who God is and what He is doing is the ultimate statement of reality. Now, he says, the Lord is, and he's going to say, He is my light, He is my salvation, and He is my stronghold. Now, the Hebrews love to use word pictures. They did not express abstract concepts. Rather, they were more into word pictures to help understand God and understand truth. And what the psalmist is doing here is he is giving us three word pictures as to who God is and how he works in our lives. Let's examine those three pictures. First of all, he says, the Lord is my light. The idea of God being light is that he is my joy. He gives me joy. It is the idea of vitality and hope. Wherever you have hope, you're going to have vitality Wherever you have hope, you're going to have joy. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 16 speaks of God saying, Who alone dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. God is pictured as dwelling in light. In fact, light that is so powerful and so great that it is unapproachable. The first act of God in creation was to create light. The Bible says, sort of bookending the Scripture in the book of Revelation, chapter 22 and verse 5, that heaven will have no need of light. In other words, it doesn't need sun. It doesn't need a moon. Because God is the light of heaven. So in the Scriptures you open in the book of Genesis with God creating light, You close the Scriptures out in the book of Revelation with God being the source of light for heaven. So when the psalmist here says, the Lord is my light, it is wrapping up that idea tied all through Scripture of God being light. Now the picture here that is being utilized is like the sun coming up and just exploding on the horizon. When I was a boy, we had a tradition every summer that we went to the Outer Banks for vacation. And part of that tradition was on the last morning of our vacation, my mother would get us up before the crack of dawn. I never enjoyed it too much as a kid till I got down on the beach on those very, very early mornings. But we would go down on the beach, and the idea was that they wanted us, my parents wanted us to see the sun as it was coming up over the ocean. And I can remember we would get out on the shore, and it would be pitch black dark. 
you could hear the waves coming in, uh, but you couldn't see anything. And as we would slowly walk along the shoreline, as you looked out at sea, you would begin to see just the teeny little glimmer of light. It was still dark around you. It still felt sort of cold. You could just barely see the ocean. But it looked like it only took a very few minutes that all of a sudden the sun would seem to just burst on the horizon. You could see the ocean clearly. The rays of the, of the sun's light would be moving across the ocean. And then the sun would just seem to dominate the whole horizon and I always experienced two things. First of all was just the tremendous beauty and power of the sun as it would shine. And secondly, it looked like the temperature would warm up immediately as you were just bathed in that sunlight in the morning. The idea of the Lord is my light is just that. That when we feel like we are walking in darkness and overcome by darkness and it is cold and we are surrounded by that cold and personal darkness... That if we will just keep looking to Him, you see that glimmer of His presence, that glimmer of truth, and then He literally begins to explode on the horizon of our life. He begins to warm up literally the atmosphere of our lives with His presence. And what David the psalmist is saying here is, in my unknown right now, God is on the horizon. And God is literally exploding on that horizon. Now, where is this light of the Lord's presence? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. Listen to what the Scripture says. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I want to read it again. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying to us in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 is that light is in the face of Jesus Christ. His light has shone out of our darkness. It is shown into our hearts, into the depths of who we are. To do what? <clears throat> to give us knowledge of the glory of God. And where is that knowledge of the glory of God? It's in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. As you and I worship Jesus, and we focus on Jesus, and we talk about Jesus, and we pray to Jesus, and we worship Jesus, and we probe deeper into who Jesus is, God's light literally explodes in our lives. Because that light is found in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you in these days... It is so easy to just watch television all the time and get depressed. It is so easy to bring up news apps on your phone and read them and get down in the dumps. Spend as much, if not more, time looking into the face of Jesus in His Word, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What is Jesus doing? How is He doing it? 
What do the epistles, Romans, Ephesians, Colossians, etc., teach us about Jesus? What does the book of Revelation tell us how we're going to experience Him when He comes again? Because as we look at Jesus and probe Jesus and experience Jesus, we are looking into the light of God in the face of Jesus. Now, second picture that he uses here in the 27th Psalm. The Lord is my light. The Lord is what? My salvation. The word salvation there means to deliver, to rescue, or to preserve. To deliver, to rescue, or to preserve. It is the idea of freeing someone from something so that they can pursue God's will. Whatever is oppressing someone, it is the idea of delivering them so that they can then pursue the will of God. I can't stress that enough. God doesn't rescue us just so we can say, I've been rescued. He rescues us, He delivers us so that we can pursue fully with full freedom what He has for us, what He wants for us so that we can pursue His will, and we are free to pursue His will. Now, David would have probably had two images in mind when he said, God is my salvation. And I want to lay out those images very clearly. The first image that he would have been laying out before the people, and the original recipients of this psalm would have understood, is Israel's deliverance from Egyptian slavery. If there is any aspect of the history of Israel that dominated their understanding of the work of God in their lives and was literally the flashpoint of their history, it was the deliverance that they experienced from Egyptian slavery. You remember the story from back in the book of Exodus where the children of Israel will be in hell in bondage. Moses came into Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no, I'm not going to let your people go. Went through all the plagues. And then there was that night of the Passover. And Pharaoh said, you were released. Get out of here as fast as possible. Then they got down to the Red Sea. Pharaoh changed his mind, sent his army after him. Moses stood there and said, God, i got to have a miracle. And God delivered them through the Red Sea. That act of deliverance was what defined the concept of salvation. They went through the Red Sea. They were delivered from Egypt, from Pharaoh, from his army. And then they got in the wilderness. And when they got in the wilderness, it was a whole different story. Because when they got in the wilderness, they needed a different type of deliverance. Not from Pharaoh, not from slavery. They needed deliverance in the form of provision. They didn't have any food. They didn't have any water. All they had was miles and miles of hot sand and blowing wind. In fact, at one point they freaked out so much they said, God delivered us into this wilderness only to kill us out here in this wilderness. Follow me on this. The deliverance, the salvation that they needed in the wilderness was just as sure but different than the deliverance that they needed from Egypt. It was the deliverance 
of provision. We tend to put a lot of emphasis on being delivered from sin. But often we don't realize that we need deliverance in the form of the provision of God every day. If we miss the salvation of, de- of provision, we will miss what God's doing day in and day out. When David says here, the Lord is my salvation, he's not just speaking of deliverance and rescue. He is also speaking of the deliverance of provision every day. All of us are going to pull some wilderness time when we need the provision of God. We are in a wilderness right now. And God wants to meet us there and give us the salvation of His provision. He asked the question in verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? God is the greatest reality in my life. I don't need to fear because He's greater than any other reality that I'm facing. Third image, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. In other words, He's a fortified place in my life. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 through 17, Elisha, the prophet of God, walks outside of his house, and his house is surrounded by horses and chariots of the enemy. They are there to do Elisha in. And Elisha stands there with his servant, and his servant looks at him and says, Elisha, what in the world are we going to do? And Elisha smiles, and he says, Lord, open the young man's eyes to see what I'm seeing. Sure, there were the enemy chariots around him. But in the mountains surrounding Elisha, it says that there were horses and chariots of fire. In other words, Elisha was surrounded by an army of angels, the stronghold of his life. There was the reality of the enemy in front of him, but there was the greater reality of the angel army of God surrounding Elisha and surrounding the army that was in front of him, and the enemy army paled in comparison to the army of God. And so that idea, that third image here, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Verse 1, of whom shall I be afraid? The word afraid there or fear is the idea of fear that comes on us suddenly. Why should I be suddenly overwhelmed with fear? Verse 2, he says, my enemies assail me. That word assail there is the idea of wild beasts who attack to eat us up. Verse 3, he says, though an army encamps against me. In other words, it leads siege to my life. So he's talking about all the forms that fear takes. Sometimes it comes on us suddenly. Sometimes it attacks us like a wild beast. Sometimes it lays siege to us. But verse 3, he says, My heart shall not fear. In other words, at the center of who I am, I'm not going to have fear. 
And the word fear there, the Hebrew word there means I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop. It's not going to stop me in life. I'm going to keep pressing through. He says, the war rises up against me. In other words, it feeds on me. It tries to devour me. He says, even in this, I will be confident. Two images in the word confident there. The first is like a child looks to his parent and has a sense of confidence in the parent. The parent is going to protect the child. The parent is going to provide for the child. So the child doesn't worry about being protected because it trusts in the strength of the parent and the love of the parent to protect. Child does not worry about provision. Mom, dad are going to make sure I got food on the table, clothes to wear, a house to live in, etc. So the idea that's being translated here when it says, I will be confident, is that the Lord takes care of us like a good parent takes care of his child. The other idea is that he's our refuge. That's a little hard for us to understand in our culture. In those days, they built cities with big walls around them. The strength of the city, the safety of the city, was contingent upon the strength and the thickness of the wall. You may remember from the book of um, Joshua, when they went around Jericho, it says the wall of the city of Jericho was so great you could ride a chariot around on top of it, really tall, but it was so wide. Why do they have such wide walls? Because if an army came up and attacked Jericho, it had to go against the wall. And if you couldn't defeat the wall, there was no way you could defeat the city. The wall was your protection. It was your refuge. When it says here, the Lord is my refuge, when it's the idea that I will be confident, it is the idea that God is surrounding us, and we are surrounded by a wall that cannot be penetrated. God doesn't promise to take the enemy away that's on the outside of the wall, but He does promise to put protection around us in the midst of the siege and the attack. And that's why we have confidence. My confidence is not my ability to face down the enemy. My confidence is in the Lord and His protection of me as I face the enemy. In this he says, I will be confident. So remember those three images. The Lord is our light, the Lord is our salvation, and the Lord is the stronghold of our life. I want to leave those three images with you this morning. I want to encourage you to think through those images as you go through this week. And whatever you face and whatever we face, that the Lord is our strength, that the Lord is our salvation, that the Lord is our stronghold. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we want to thank you that you are our security, that you are the refuge, that you are our salvation, our stronghold, and our light. And Lord, we look to you in these days to be just that in our lives. To, Lord, burst on the horizon of our lives with your presence. Because the light of who you are is seen in the face of your Son, Jesus Christ. To, Lord, lean on you is our stronghold. And, Father, 
to know that you are our salvation. You are the one who delivers us, not just from sin, but delivers, delivers us in terms of the provision that you give us every day, and in some cases, moment by moment. We thank you and we bless you in this, Lord. God, help us to look unto you. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise and we give you blessing. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have a great week. And continue. I want to encourage you to study and to meditate on the 27th Psalm. And we'll look forward to sharing Bible study with you on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Take care. God bless.